Here we go. Rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, both out on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Coming Thursday, the Going ISO edition with the voice of NBA radio on Sirius XM. We had his co-host on months ago to talk hoops. Now we've got Justin Termini on to talk broadcasting and his career. That comes your way Thursday. Some great stories about Justin getting thrown off the air in high school. We will not tell the story about what happened when Justin left my wedding on the last train back to New York. Oh, I texted him after the show, Adam. I said to him, you know, I, I didn't bring up on purpose that story. And he said, ha, just told my mom that story. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to know that story, then you can tweet directly to Justin at Termini Radio. <laughs> and see if he reveals that one. But that comes your way on Thursday. Every Tuesday and Thursday, rejecting the screen. Thursday, the long-form interview. You can go back and listen to all sorts of interviews with NBA All-Stars from years past, Hall of Famers, journalists. And if you would, be so kind to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, just click the five stars, leave a review, or just say, hey, um, can you guys get on and then fill in the blank and then share it with your friends? Mm -hmm. Pretty simple. Coming up, I'll give you a story about the days at NBA Radio from 14 years ago, back in 2006, when we had one season of it, long before it was what it is now. Adam, let's start with continuing a bit about our conversation from last week about what we want to see in the 2020-2021 season, which is now just about seven weeks away. But let's do it from the media side of things what do you want to see from print media and in print media i mean digital newspapers magazines all that well first and foremost and this is runs across all platforms but i think print media is i want some new angles on things i want i want us to be able to talk about lebron james in an extended form on LeBron James without bringing up Michael Jordan. I want us to I want us to talk about what he's doing at this age in his career and how it compares to other guys who've had that kind of longevity even if it's across other sports. I want to hear I want I want to read about um insightful takes that aren't just trying to get the 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 clickbait headlines. I, I I think at the end of the day, for me, you you pose this to me like, what do we want to see from print? What do we want to see from TV digital side? And my thing is, everyone's in this race for keeping up with each other over what's like the most interesting tweet or what's the most interesting Bleacher Report update. And to me, that's all well and good, but a lot of that stuff doesn't carry any weight or end up getting backed up at all. And it's interesting that you talked about our interview with Justin Termini because he mentioned it even on the radio side, talking about how if you are going to make a bold statement or in his case or someone else's case, making a selection for an all NBA team, you're going to vote a certain way that's just against the grain, then back it up. Tell us what it is that you're watching. Do the homework. Watch the tape. If it's an analytics argument, it's statistical, great. If it's from a basketball standpoint, hey, this is why I think Jimmy Butler's the best defensive player in the game. 
tell me about it. Give me something that that makes it work. I'm just so tired of these opinion pieces um, that are just retread arguments of things that I read just all the time on Twitter. And it's the same discussion over and over again. And that's why I like the what we, what we do weekly is that we try to hit things from a different different perspective. And here's what I'd like to see. And I'll, I'll pull Twitter into it a bit. I'd like to see the the full behind the curtain stories again. The stories that yeah. we just get at the end of the year when a team has won a title and then you you see some some new things from reporters that we haven't seen during the season or we haven't read about during the season. A few different nuggets that are interesting. There's too much, hey, uh, I got this nugget. I'm just going to flow. I'm going to put it out there on Twitter. Or uh, I saw so-and-so do this in, in practice. I'm, I'm throwing it out there on Twitter. I think it, I don't think it does anybody any good. I think it leads to players, rightfully or wrongfully, distrusting media and thinking, geez, I can't do anything without looking over my shoulder, whether they're doing something wrong or right. Um, So I'd like to see that stuff, like in the old days, held for a bigger piece behind the curtain type revealing story, whether it's a, a feature on a guy, a feature on a team, so we can all learn certain things at the same time, not just constant piecemeal, which forces you to look at Twitter. Oh, did I miss something? Did I miss something? Did I miss something? Because hey, I, I don't think that's good for anybody's health. I'd also like to see less of, as you mentioned with Bleacher Report, the confusing nature of who is the media. So I don't want to hear from the players <laughs> saying the media and they and people say, because it's totally different. The people who are, you know, I don't want the people who are around the teams every day and who cover the sport to be confused with the fan who was watching the game on TV and decided to rip somebody. Did someone say LeBron was washed? No. But no. maybe you could find one person who did. One, one person in the whole country. Maybe you could. And all of a sudden it became people said LeBron was washed in LeBron himself. Just, he just made it up. But then so many just climb on his back and say, well, some people were saying he was washed. People were saying, Oh, look it up, look it up, look it up. Well, no, nobody, nobody said he was washed. So I, so I don't, I don't want that type of confusion anymore because again, it doesn't do anybody any good. What we're often seeing Noah is the counter to an argument that doesn't exist that becomes the storyline. And so with the example that you just brought up, Mark Jackson saying LeBron James isn't appreciated enough. And you sit there and go, that's bananas. And you, but meanwhile, there's articles about it or LeBron's redemption tour, tired of hearing talk that he's washed. No one with any credibility or validity has said this. But somehow it's the it's the the straw man argument to start. That's the wild part to me is that we're starting from a basis of, in theory, as you point out, people may have said this. So let's start the conversation based upon so, that. Remember how LeBron said to I think it was to Mark Schwartz, 
be better when like he walked off the he walked off the oh, podium with the shorts when he's wearing the, the, the suit pants yeah. shorts if you will and he said yeah. he said be like be better and everyone was like oh it's so yes. great this that i love lebron i love lebron as a basketball player i do but i, I can tell lebron be better you, you don't you don't need to make up these things or maybe he does but you you really shouldn't have to make up something to motivate yourself. Yeah. No, we know, though. I mean, again, now, inevitably, we have to mention Jordan. That, that that's what Jordan, that's what Jordan did, right? I, I, you know what? Look, if we're, if we're looking for other things I want to see, how about some other player comps or, comp- and not just comps in terms of does this guy remind you of a player from the past, but how about we get into who is better of, does it have to be just this greatest of all time argument that we'll never be able to settle? If you're really going to go down that route, if we're going to go down that rabbit hole, why don't we then start making comparisons? Who's better, Luka Doncic or Jerry West? Like, I, I want to get into random, you know, NBA great players that are compared that aren't just the greatest of all time. I actually had a thought the other day. I said, you know, it's weird. Like, LeBron kind of reminds me, like, of how, in a way, Charles Barkley used to play in his prime, now obviously much smaller, in the idea that when Barkley would get going downhill, there was nothing you could really do to stop him. He was like Earl Campbell coming through the lane. It's sort of the same thing that LeBron at this point in his career with the bulk that he's put on. But you're never going to hear a LeBron reminds me of a Charles Barkley cross with Magic Johnson comparison. You don't get that kind of thing because it has to be with just LeBron and Jordan. We don't even hear comps about the other guys. The only Doncic one, of course, is is Larry Bird. People want to want to make right. that one come up when uh, really there's some good Manu stuff or Harden stuff that you can make. But I I think and and I just want to tap in on your other point that the what's happened in our industry on the whole about getting rid of long form, whether it's written pieces or video pieces, like the long form storytelling is just a disgrace, and it sucks because we're losing an art form. And you think about what Wright Thompson uh, did with his Michael Jordan interview a few years back. You think about um, some of the some of the great pieces like Howard Beck has put has put together and stuff. And now all of a sudden he's out at, at Bleacher Report. And I just think about what's happened to our industry on the whole. And this isn't just a Bleacher Report issue. It's it's across the board. As people are trying to save money, they know long form stuff takes a while to do and isn't necessarily as profitable because you don't have a weekly place to put it like a sports illustrated magazine anymore coming every thursday now it's we need so much more content everybody's looking for content but it's not necessarily good or detailed and i think that really kills us on the whole because to understand some of these players and their stories basically to get back what you're getting at you need it's important to know the fabric and what you know the story behind these guys where they came from what their backgrounds are it's cool that we do it every week and we do long-form interviews but I'd love to see some more written pieces that, as you point out, hit on those things where it's this long-form journalism. Right. Even you mentioned, and I want to get into one more thing from the TNT guys, even you mentioned Howard Beck. So at Bleach Report, he's writing brilliant stuff all the time. And the podcast, there was always something in Full 48. There's always some nugget there that mm-hmm. Bleacher Report itself could have pulled out and put up as, as a quote and a graphic and and promoted the podcast and they never did they do that with they pull out quotes from other people's stories and the attribution is 
minuscule, but not even promote their own guy's stuff. I, that brand is big enough that they could have sold all of that. They could have put it up on the pedestal and said, this is important. We're going to sell it. And I just don't think they ever did a really good job of, of promoting that stuff. Real quick, I, I'd like to, I don't want the TNT guys, and they're the ones I look at mostly, and I'm sure, let's go ESPN too. I don't want them all to be cheerleaders for today's game, but I would like there to be less of, oh, this, they, they can't play this way. We didn't win this way. This guy can't do this. Just bully him down. You don't, you don't have to listen to the coach. If you're a superstar, we didn't have to do that. You've got to adjust with the way the game is played today. And if you're just going to be stuck back there and not have any positives to say about the players today, and you're constantly going to be thinking, I could have beat that guy or no, he's not a star yet. He needs to do this, that like, just tell us what's going on in the moment sometimes and give your egos a break would be nice. Coming up, the ratings conversation has reared its head again as dollars and cents are center stage. Let's just put an end to it. Whatever you do, though, do not put an end to your car because rockauto.com has what you need to fix said car. It's a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, and they've got auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Just go to rockauto.com. You can get everything you could possibly need for any issue or any impending issue. And the catalog is so easy to navigate. You can see all the parts available for your car or truck based on brands, specifications, the prices. Yep, prices. You can just sort by price, which is fairly reasonable these days. You can do that on Zillow if you want to. But at rockauto.com, the prices are always the same for everybody. So for the guy who is shopping from the car dealership, and then he's going to resell it to you for loads more, or just yourself. You could just buy it yourself for a low price. And here's how you can help us. When you see on their site, on rockauto.com, the how did you hear about us box, just type in locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, locked on, and then they'll know that we sent you. Mm -hmm. Selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Adam, how long ago did... We warn the public that, yeah, ratings are going to be down. But given the climate in our country and the world that we have all been thrown into, that making some grand sweeping assumption of the health of the league based on those ratings for this time period and maybe even next season, I think there ha- is dangerous. We were thrown into this pandemic where Mm -hmm. habits were forced to change our daily lives have been turned upside down that nothing is normal there is nothing normal in day-to-day life at home in a office and it's not normal to see a playoff game on at one o'clock in the afternoon during a weekday so to make some sort of grand sweeping judgment on the health of the NBA based on these TV ratings and things moving forward, 
during the pandemic is really dangerous. I think we have to take the step back and understand the reset that we're all going through and comparing these ratings to years past or even next season's ratings to two years ago. Those types of comparisons aren't going to do anybody any good. You and I are two of the most interested people in the league that I that I know. So if there's some big story that's happening in the NBA and I shoot you a text about it, I know that you've either seen it or you're about to. And maybe because I just told you about it, so you'll look it up. But regardless, you're going to be interested in it. The point is that we have great interest in what's going on in the league right now. And I don't care if it's a little a little detail or something major. We're fascinated by it. And you and I, when the bubble was set to return, with families to worry about, with concerns about everyday life, uh, about making money, all these things, you and I, like anyone is trying to survive in this world, worried about our own health. We were like, man, I don't, I don't know that I'm excited about the league coming back. My, my, my excitement was tempered, and I know yours was as well. So times have sort of changed in that regard, where my fandom has gone back up. It hasn't gone back to the level that it was pre-pandemic because I think I have other priorities now. And and as you point out, the world has changed. But just those viewing habits on the whole, just the idea of, I don't even know if I want to watch basketball right now, came up for a while. I got myself excited, but there was this whole idea of, man, I I just don't know. I don't know how interested I, I am when I have other concerns now about my kids' education or the well-being of relatives and things like that. And sportsmediawatch.com recently put together a, a chart showing viewership numbers, you know, the trend. And so everyone wants to talk about, this is what we're getting at with this whole thing, is that they want to make NBA viewership a political issue because it fits a narrative. But the truth is Stanley Cup final down 61%. Preakness stakes this year down 56%. U.S. Open golf, the final round down 56%. NBA finals down 49%. You can blame that on a whole bunch of factors, many of which you already touched upon. And then it could just be the aesthetics, no fans. Maybe that turns some people off too. I, there's a bunch of reasons why you can point out why, why um, viewership numbers are down. But the one thing I would say, it is not because of athletes speaking out politically. It is not because you think that NBA players are voting for someone different than you might be voting for. And there's a tweet that I that I sent to you today that a report from Reuters, and they put out a tweet about this, that the NBA fell $1.5 billion, with a B, short of revenue projection. And the issue that I have with this tweet, the article is fine, and it talks about, you know, hey, you lost games, which is a significant portion of this. You lost fans, which is the other big piece of this puzzle. The picture they chose was of a bunch of players pregame kneeling in solidarity with, of course, the Black Lives Matter on the court for the bubble. And it's once again, this disgusting push for me of because NBA players are active politically, all of a sudden now that has somehow people have equated that to that's turned off viewership. And so fans aren't watching because they don't want to be you know, bogged down by this talk about what's happening. We might all be sick of election coverage and that's fine. And you're entitled to that opinion. 
But as you and I just pointed out for the last five minutes, that's not the reason that ratings are down. And it's not the reason that there was such a big financial hit. So I had a conversation with somebody over the weekend who's a big sports fan. And he said, and he was the first one that I've heard say this, or at least to me, said, I stopped watching the NBA because of their activism. And we, we were in person. You know me. I'm very even, can be very even keeled, can keep a straight sure. face. I said, because before they were shooting free throws, they were screaming Black Lives Matter and free Brianna Taylor. He's right. like, like, what are you talking about? I said, the game on the court didn't change. You're telling me that you stop watching because <clears throat> you don't like the people as much now. Because the, mm. the product itself is mm-hmm. the same. Like, look, look, I just want those guys, like, we pay for them to entertain us. Hmm. Yeah? Yeah. They, they get paid to play basketball. That is, a, that is a form of entertainment. And the NBA will always say, we sell entertainment. But these are people doing it, not robots. It comes to a point where certain things need to be said and they have the greatest platform to do it, they should be taking advantage of that opportunity. But when you really think about it, was it the whole league pushing a message, amplifying a message of humanity? Do you not think that the players are are educated enough on the subject to be speaking about it? Do you not want there to be change if so, that's your prerogative. But if Jewish athletes in the United States, if the Holocaust was happening today and Jewish athletes were the greatest athletes in the world and they had the biggest platform and they didn't say anything, you, you'd say, well, yeah, they shouldn't say anything. They're athletes. Just let them, let them be. Let them be. Come on. No, I, the thing is, There are lots of times in which fans could get outraged based upon things interfering with their idea of it being, you know, you being a purist, if you will. Right. And and saying, well, I don't like the commercialization of the game now. So you could say that you could say, hey, I don't like that. There's now corporate logos on jerseys in the NBA, which we never thought we would see. Right. The the fact that arena rights are sold. So everything has some corporate logo attached to an arena name that could outrage fans if, if fans chose to do that. And at one point they were, they were against this, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they sort of just lived with it and and it never really became a thing. It was sort of like, Oh, I think fans will be upset by this. And then they weren't when it happened. The interesting part about the, the idea of protesting and the idea of, players expressing their their rights and and expressing their opinions on on what they think is is injustice is that this has been going all around for a long time we're talking about the olympics with john carlos and tommy smith we're talking about whether it's kareem or muhammad ali and and even you go back a few years just in in recent times but a few years ago in, in modern nba Donald Sterling says these awful things and the world is watching. Oh, well, how are the Clippers and the and the Warriors going to react during their playoff series? And everyone was behind it because why? Because that was okay. Because you heard the tape for that. 
And it was, oh, that's blatant. So, so subtle racism shouldn't be fought against. Like, that's the thing. And this idea now that there's somehow some justification here would be, here's my only other point is that even if there was a direct correlation between how much money the NBA lost and how much viewership has gone down all because of players saying, I do not want my children to have to deal with the same racial injustice that I did, or at least to a lesser extent, even if that was, and we saw like Jamal Murray's impassioned speech after his unbelievable game post game, even if that was the case and there was a correlation, I guarantee you the players in the league would say, we'll accept that. If our message got out there and it inspired another generation and inspired a bunch of people to vote, I'll take the fact that we lost 1.5 billion because I think it needs to be said. And also, by the way, a huge message in all this was sent to the owners of all these teams who, you know, oftentimes differ politically than the players on the court. do. Yeah, and now the players can force the owners hands a bit or at least open their eyes a bit. And, and we asked Ryan Hollins this. I remember when he was on the show, mm-hmm. asked him, if you knew who Donald Sterling was, why did you sign there? And he said, well, I didn't dream as a kid about playing for a certain owner. I dreamed about playing in the NBA. And look, if you don't want to watch a league because of that, fine. I, I've always said, and I, got, I used to take heat for this on NBA radio, when fans would say, I, I – I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. And and I'd say, all right, so then stop paying for games. Stop watching on TV. Stop buying merchandise. Like the the only way to, the only way to actually hurt a league is to stop giving it money. That's it. I mean, you can cry about it all you want, but then if you still watch and you still go to games and you're still buying merchandise, then you're still supporting the league. And Noah, even this, the last point I'll make on this, even the crying that people do on Twitter about the NBA and about how they don't watch when they really are watching, but even that gets factored into Twitter metrics. Basically, as people say, oh, the NBA, the most tweeted about event, and there is money to be made off the digital metrics because you're tweeting about your hate for it. It's like the the old Howard Stern that, you know, in the um, private parts movie where it's, oh, well, the people that that love him listen for this amount and the people that hate him, oh, they listen triple of the amount. And it's like you're still helping the guy out. Same thing with the league. I don't care if you want to complain about it on Twitter. You're really helping the growth of the league long term. Just don't be misleading about why the league lost money this year. Yeah, go back and listen to our conversation about the ratings on August 25th. That's the August 25th episode of Rejecting the Screen. We get into a lot more details about the ins and outs of ratings. Coming up, story time. We've got a few weeks of the offseason, I guess. So bananas. And given that we've got Justin Termini, host on NBA Radio, host of NBA Today with Eddie Johnson, coming up on Thursday in the Going ISO edition of Rejecting the Screen, I thought we'd throw it back a little bit to those times like the very first nba radio iteration was back in 2006 i was two years out of college and i was the one in the nba office with the most recent radio experience because i just done it in college 
And the league itself didn't have a radio station. It did not have the 24-hour network. And they were the only pro sports league that didn't have one with Sirius. So, we, so they wanted to start this station. They wanted to do it out of NBA Entertainment. Their offices in Secaucus, where NBA okay. TV was, where they used to have the lottery. And so there, was, there were two options for studios. Like, and I was drawing out plans and working with engineers like, hey, this is what we need and this is the space we need and et cetera. There are two spaces to do it. There was a bigger green room and a smaller green room downstairs near NBA TV, the studio. So we could use the bigger one would have been best. And then there was Ahmad Rashad's room downstairs. Now he had his own room. He had, he had his own he had his own office upstairs, and then he had his own like dressing room, everything. And Ahmad, like he may have come in every once in a while for a shoot or something like that. And Ahmad's dressing room would have been ideal. It was huge. You could have had a little waiting area. It would have been great. Off limits. You could not, you could not mess with Ahmad's room just in case Ahmad showed up. So we did this. We, we put, the engineers are great. They put together the studio. And you'll hear from Justin that I was tasked with getting some names over from Sirius to be board ops, the, the guys who would push the buttons to run the commercials, run the opens, et cetera, and also mm-hmm. the and do the sports updates and produce the show, get guests, all that. And it's all under the NBA umbrella. So it's a bit dicey because you've got, you're in the office where Adam Silver is president of NBA Entertainment at the time and, and all, the, all the higher ups who are, are great protectors of the league. And then it came time to think about talent, who was going to be hosting these shows. So the morning right. show what was it called? I think it was called Tip Off. I think I forget. Of course, of course it was. Of course yeah. it was called Tip Off. Sure, it was uh, from six. I think six to nine or six to ten, whatever it was. And Frank Isola was writing for the New York Daily News and was doing NBA TV at nights there a lot. So Frank was, I think, one of the first names that I that I had given, and and I wanted Kevin Burkhart to be Frank's co-host. I really liked Burkhart and just from the, from the local, the local scene, I knew him a little bit and I'd heard great things about him. This was 2006. I got pushed back on it. They ended up hiring Rich Ackerman. Can you hear those sirens now? I think that's, I I think that's, I think so. I think when you say Rich Ackerman's name, when it comes to NBA radio, I think the sirens, sirens go up. Rich was a really nice guy. He was an update guy at WFAN in New York, and but not an NBA guy. Really good voice, just not an NBA guy. Sure. Certainly not an opinionist. Certainly not someone who's going to stay up late and watch games. He, so he got the job. Rich would go to sleep at halftime of the 7, 7.30 games so that he, was, you know, he got his like 10 hours of sleep and then the West Coast games, right? He's sleeping yeah. through the West Coast games. Oh yeah, sleeping through the second half of the early games. And Frank was doing NBA TV at night, sometimes sleeping on the couch. And now the small green room. I'd come in in the morning at like three thirty, 
let him sleep and then wake him up like 45 minutes before the show. And then he'd do the show that, that, that definitely happened sometimes. <laughs> and then Frank would kill Ackerman on the air because Ackerman would like talk about Seinfeld and Frank, you know, who's on like two hours of sleep saying you were watching Seinfeld instead of Pacers Hawks. And it was so clear that Rich hadn't watched games and Frank would freak out. And it, it kind of reminded me a bit of the relationship on the air that Justin and Eddie Johnson have because Frank was just always crushing him. And then I would take the heat for it because I was overseeing all of it. Like, hey, you got to get Frank to calm down a bit. Got to get him to calm down. And then I would start to get into it with Ackerman because I wanted to host the show. And it wasn't, I, I should have really taken a, a step back a bit. But I remember one time when Ackerman and I had a, some sort of argument during a break. And he threw the mic, he pushed the mic over to my side. And he said, you host the show. And I said, I'm not hosting the show. I just want you to host the show properly and act like you know the league. And so when we came back from break, Frank just took it. And he went on for 15 minutes himself and rich just sat there and then when it came time to go to break and frank started to throw it to break and now frank's a host back then he wasn't really a, a host it wasn't a lead host rich started to jump in and i remember frank saying oh hey richard ackerman welcome back to the program oh you want to oh now you want to talk no i'm good and then he and then he took it to break there were some epic epic blow-ups in that studio. But hey, that channel lasted just one year. And then I left during the playoffs to take a job in Major League Baseball. Channel lasted one year. And then the guys um, started to do it again um, about two years later. But there are, there are so many stories. No, it just sounds like chaos over with uh nba yeah it was for it was for a while and you'll hear another story on a thursday show with justin about the league stepping in but i do remember real quick i remember another time remember the the nuggets and knicks fight at the garden yes yeah wait before you go in i had always heard about that before you go in on this story i had always heard that the league came to the producers at nba tv and said you can't you can't show any of the fight so the, oh, for the highlights, I don't remember. I don't remember that. I just, I, I don't know what happened on the NBA. It was TV like side. Marty Collins, right? Is, it, is like Marty Collins involved yeah. in that? I could, and yeah. I could see that. Happening. Nate Robinson, maybe. Sure. I could see that happening, Adam. But we got the word on the NBA radio side that we are not allowed to talk about it at all. Can't, cannot even mention it. So yeah, <laughs> that would fall. That would fall right in line. <laughs> Amazing, just a madhouse. Well, just that was that was that was then. That was then. There are well, listen, here's, here's, here's look, the thing. And the guy, the guy Sean Butler, who runs the station now as a program director, I hired Sean to do the morning stuff, the same way I had hired Justin to do the afternoon producing and board hopping. And like, I used to bail Sean out multiple times. Like he would just not wake up in time. Like he was working late and then working early, and just like not show up. And I never. I never said I never said anything. <laughs> you know, it happens, man. Like he 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 worked really hard. He was good at his job. And so he so he overslept, you know, four or five times 
it happens. Well, look, this is the thing. I, I want to continue this this theme in just the uh, few weeks that we have, and just give a story each week. Hit, hit a little personal story as we, we wait that. for uh, the NBA's return. Yeah, we can certainly do that. So make sure you check out Thursday's edition of Rejecting the Screen, the Going ISO with Justin Termini. Some great stuff about Justin and his career. And if you're a fan of the NBA and you listen to NBA radio, or maybe you follow him on Twitter at Termini Radio, you'll get some insight into Justin about who he is as a person. And remember, subscribe, share, rate, review on any of the platforms that you're listening to Rejecting the Screen. Everything else on the Lockdown Podcast Network, Hollinger and Duncan, Locked on NBA five days a week. Locked on fantasy hoops of Josh Lloyd. Chad Ford's NBA big board is back. Tyrese Howard. Return. Soaring. Yes, Tyrese. He's he's into the the top five. And we're going to have full comprehensive NBA draft coverage that I'm sure Adam will be contributing to as he has long been analyzing draft prospects. We're on Instagram at rejecting underscore the underscore screen. Adam is on Twitter at Naismith Lives. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. Adam, thanks, pal. You are the best. <laughs>